Good morning, everybody. Glad that you're here. Um, we are in the middle of a series on the first letter uh, from the Apostle Peter. And he's writing to this group of exiles, of foreigners, uh, people who don't really belong where they are. And, um, and they're being persecuted. This, was, this letter was written sometime 60 to 65 AD. Um, and it was during the rule of Emperor Nero. And the persecution of the Christians had definitely started before then. Uh, Rome persecuted everybody that wasn't Rome. Um, but Nero uh, burned Rome, blamed it on the Christians, and that's when really things started heating up, when the persecution really started happening. And, and many, many Christians lost, lost their life at that time. And he's highlighting in this letter this idea that, that we as Christians have received a calling from Jesus and that calling is to be different. And in being different, that's where we find our, our hope for the future. So this was written for that church back then at those times, but we can see that it's also written for us today. He urges them to lead different kinds of lives as followers of Jesus and that that difference would be evident in every aspect of their life, that they would have different values than the people around them. They would have different things that they considered important or not important. They would have different relationships, different marriages, uh, different interactions with their children. They would be different. And so that's what we're looking at here. Last week, um, we looked at the, getting some, some echo. It's coming from the camera. Can we mute Holly's phone? Last week, we looked at the call to be different, and specifically um, that we have a different faith in trials. <laughs> All right, thank you, Louis. Uh, different faith in trials, and we saw specifically uh, that, this, that his life in us is what sustains us through our trials in life, and that it gives purpose to the pain, that everybody's going to feel pain, but in that new life, we have purpose uh, for the pain that we feel. Um, next two weeks, we're going to be talking about we have a different call in our dark world, and we're going to talk about we have a different perspective in persecution. But this week, oh, this week is a doozy. This week, we're going to talk about the fact that we have different values in an unholy culture. Specifically, God hasn't called us to fit in. There we go. God hasn't called us to fit in. God has called us to stand out, to be different. So, essentially, this letter is saying, this world is not your home. You're just a passing through. You're an eternal being living in a temporary world. But unfortunately, in our culture today, I feel like the biggest hindrance to people living that life, that new life that God has called them to, is this desire to fit in, to be normal, to not stand out, to not be a weirdo. But if you think about it, normal is pretty terrible. Normal is uh, bondage. Normal is living in stress and anxiety and tension. Normal is, is uh, not liking your job, uh, resenting your spouse. That's what normal is. And yet we have this desire to fit in, to live normal. And I hope that we can see that that is not the, the life that God has called us to, 
uh, Jesus talked about us uh, on this path and that it's a narrow path and a narrow gate that leads to life. And a lot of people miss that because they choose the broad path, the easy path, and that path leads to destruction. Paul in his letter talked about us not conforming to this world, but being transformed by the renewing of our mind. And so that's what we're going to look at today. God's called us to be set apart, to stand out, to be different. So you guys know we're doing the Bible reading a little bit different with this series, Different. So if you would, go ahead and stand up. We're going to stand up to honor the scripture. And I want you guys to just have this letter read over you because it was written thousands of years ago, but it is to us today. So I'm going to read aloud and you guys read along. So, City Point Church, prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. For the scripture says, you must be holy because I am holy. And remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in a reverent fear of him during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. And it was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God and you have placed your faith and hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead and gave him great glory. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come to you in prayer and ask you to do a work that we cannot. May this message penetrate the hearts of us here and show us that if we're far from you, you are calling us closer and stirring those who know you to examine their life and turn away from anything that's not pleasing to you. Please instill in us a desire to be holy to be set apart, to stand out, to be different in a world so desperately in need of you and your light. We give you the glory today, all the praise and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys go ahead and have a seat. God hasn't called you to fit in, but to stand out. So, in this discussion, we're looking at Peter's letter that he wrote 2,000 years ago, and its aim is to kind of stir us, to prompt us, to inspire us to live a different life, a life that's set apart, holy for God. He starts the letter off by saying, don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then. I feel like some of us kind of are still stuck in that part of our relationship with God. We don't know any better. We plead ignorance. But that's not what he wants for you. He has a better life. He has a transformation uh, plan for you to live the life that he created you to live. 
Peter reminds us that we should be holy in all that we do, just as God, who has called us, is holy. One thing that this text doesn't imply, unfortunate for a lot of us, is a calling to be happy. That's oftentimes how our modern gospel is presented. Come to Jesus so that you can be happy. But the disappointing thing about happiness is it is very much dependent on what is happening. What the life that you're living, the things that you have or don't have, the things that you do or don't do. And that's not what we're called to. We're not called to happiness. We're called to holiness. So holiness is going to take priority in our life over happiness. He's called us to be set apart. He's called us to be different. I remember the first time I kind of heard of this idea. It was in the re-engage marriage class with Mark and Danielle. See, I've taken a lot of different marriage classes, seminars, and along the way, I've picked up a lot of information on how men and women are different, and there are different things that make us happy, and we want to live in harmony in our marriage, and so there's things that we need to do or not do. But this was the first time where I had this idea of whenever I'm married to someone, that marriage is to develop holiness inside of me. And oftentimes that development happens when I'm not happy because I'm not happy about some situation. And so God is using that, those times of unhappiness to mold me into the husband that he wants me to be. See, whenever, we, um, whenever our top priority is happiness, we start to develop this mentality of justification right? Um, I should be able to do that because that'll make me happy. Uh, I'm not happy in my marriage right now, so I guess this marriage must be over. I'm not happy in my work, and it's somebody else's fault. Maybe you justify the things that you do because it'll make you happy. I need fill in the blank because when I have that thing, then I'll be happy. I should be allowed to have sex before marriage because that's gonna make me happy. You guys get the point? Pursuing happiness just develops us becoming better and better and better at justifying our unwise, sinful actions. Husband and wife one time were in their bedroom, laying on their bed, staring up at the ceiling, talking about life. And the conversation fell on their desire to have or not have kids. And so they talked about it for a while, and they listed all the pros and cons. And they decided, kids are kind of, they're not the best. <laughs> they're messy, right? You got to clean up after them. They're expensive. Um, their car seats will ruin our leather upholstery and our car. Plus, if we don't have kids then we could travel more, we could pursue our career goals, we'd have more money to invest in retirement. So they decided that for them, they would be happier without kids. And so the husband gets up and he opens the bedroom door and he yells, hey kids, come in here, your mother and I have something to tell you. <laughs> our happiness does not take priority in our life. And we can't use justification to go against God's teaching. God hasn't called us to fit in, but to stand out. 
So when we prioritize happiness in our life, we begin uh, to worship false idols, right? We worship the idol of comfort, or we worship the idol of money and success. We worship the idol of pleasure or the idol of material things. These things aren't God. Happiness leads us to worship these things that stand in for God, and that's known as an idol. The Greek word for holy is hagios. And, you know, it's kind of tough to to translate things straight from Greek into English. And I feel like maybe the word holy has taken on its own kind of connotation. But really what, what holy means is different. It means set apart. It means sanctified for a purpose. It means other than this temporary fallen world. And so God is calling us to be holy, to be set apart, to be different. That makes me think, if you're not different than the rest of the world around you, that might be an indication that you're not following Christ's calling on your life. Got an illustration for you guys. I'm in the midst of parenting, so most of my illustrations have to do with parenting. Parenting is difficult. We're trying to raise our kids, these little human beings, with undeveloped brains to the best of our ability. But it's interesting. They have, they have simple minds with simple thoughts, and it becomes evident whenever you have to remind them of things like, you don't enjoy eating the sand. You cried last time, the whole time we cleaned it out of your mouth. <laughs> but other times, they share a sharpness that kind of makes me search for words. And it seems like that, that sharpness, that mental aptitude that they develop quickly is when they ask the questions like why. When they call out your parenting that's inconsistent. When they remind you of something that you promised that you didn't follow through on. And that's tough. Molly and I, we really, we want to raise our children, like it says in Proverbs 22, we want to raise them and direct them in the way that they should go so that when they're old, they don't deviate from that path. And so we do things, right? Like we pray together, we search scripture, we're in community with other Christians to try to help develop being better parents. And one of the things that has come out of that is whenever our kids ask us why they can't have something that their friends have or why they can't say certain things that they hear other people say and can't do things that they see other people do. When they ask why, Molly has started responding with this simple statement. Different families do different things. Different families do different things. So my kids understand that they are part of the Walsh family and that the Walsh family is different than the families that they interact with around the world. God hasn't called you to fit in, but to stand out. This is exactly what we're reading. Right now, the church is reading through the Bible in a year, and we're in the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the Israelite family is given the law. And the purpose of this law is to show the Israelite family how to be different than the surrounding nations, the other families. It sets them apart in a way that they stand out. We don't have reasons for every little rule that God made other than it made them different. 
In fact, we read over and over again, it says, don't be like the Egyptians, the family that you came from, and don't be like the Canaanites that are in the land that you're going to. You're supposed to be different. So I want to make two points. When you confess that Jesus is Lord and you believe and start living like God really raised him from the dead for the forgiveness of your sins and for a new life, you're part of a different family. You're not in the world anymore. You're in God's family. And when you look at everybody else who's not in God's family, they're going to be, be doing different things because different families do different things. They're gonna be saying things that we don't say in God's family. And they're gonna be doing things that we don't do in God's family because we're set apart. We're different. And I think the second point is even within our church family, we have different families with different convictions. You hear what I'm saying? I have to say this to my kids, even when they're talking about kids that they've, Christian kids they've met from school or kids that they've met here at church. Why can't we do different families, different things? My desire isn't that your family will start living like my family. That's the reason I haven't given a list of what it looks like to be holy. Because if you have a list, then you're tempted to follow a list and that's legalism. No, my desire is that you will be different that you'll pray and search scripture and be in community with other believers so that you gain conviction about your life and the things that need to be different. Paul in his letter to the Ephesians talks about us having one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God who is over all and in all and through all. Everything else is figured out in community with each other. Peter, though, he didn't have a problem making a list for you guys. First Peter chapter four, he says, you have had enough in the past of the evil things that godless people enjoy, their immorality and lust, their feasting and drunkenness and wild parties and their terrible worship of idols. I think what Peter is doing here is giving you a list of no does. Do you guys know what no does are? So I taught high school. No does are whenever you share a little piece of wisdom, right? Some insight that you have with a teenager. But because they're a teenager, they have to act like that's something everybody knows. No duh. That's what Peter's given us right here. A list of no does. Something to kind of start us off along that path. So our definition may be different from each other but we're trying to set standards in our life that we believe will bring glory to God, that will make God happy, that will allow us to live that best life that he's, that he's created for us. In Peter's words, so you must live as God's obedient children, different families, different things. However, I think it is important to keep in mind Satan's number one tactic he doesn't try to convince you to become a Satan worshiper or to make sacrifices in the woods at night surrounded by candles. That's not what he does. His tactic hasn't changed from the beginning. In the garden, when he was interacting with Adam and Eve, he said, 
did God really say that you shouldn't eat of that fruit? And that, that question seeps into every part of our life. Did God really say you shouldn't do those things? Did God really say you shouldn't have sex before marriage? Did God really say, did God really say? Because he wants to plant that little seed of doubt. Because we worship him by default. It's when we get that new life that we turn to God. God hasn't called us to fit in, but to stand out. At the very end of the later letter in verses 18 through 21, Peter reminds us that we were not redeemed from our empty way of life by perishable things such as silver and gold, but instead through the precious blood of Christ. So why? Like, why live this different life? Why try to be holy like God is holy? And it's because from the very beginning, he intended us to be royal priests. That was Adam's job when he was created, to rule over the earth and direct the earth's praise to God. And when he fell, that job description was warped. He stopped ruling the earth and he fell into bondage, to slavery, to sin. And he stopped directing the worship up to God, but we started directing our worship to things, created things. And so what God is doing is giving us an opportunity to get our job back. He's inviting us with this call to start being royal priests So I pray that the Holy Spirit would reveal the areas in our life where we're just trying to fit in, those areas that would be displeasing to God, because we all have them. I just pray that when you get ready to let go of that old way of living, of those old desires, and let God transform your life into his way, the way that you were created to live, he's right there waiting. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, today we just, we come before you with humble hearts, Lord. We don't have this figured out, but we desire, we desire to live the life that you've called us to live. So Lord, we just pray that you reveal to us, you reveal to me, those areas, those areas where I choose to fit in instead of choosing to be different, those areas where I return to the evil desires that I had before, continue to call me closer, Lord. Shine your light into my life and extend your grace so that we can grow closer to you in every way. Renew our minds, transform our hearts so that our outward actions reflect our inward beliefs that you are Lord and you came back from the dead so that we could let go of our old ways and let you transform our life for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey guys, let's stand up and sing together.